The following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. If you'll just bow with a moment of prayer, then we'll take a look at the passage for today. Heavenly Father, again, I just thank you for the body. Lord, I thank you that you have given us brothers and sisters who pray for us, who care for us, who are your hands and feet, Lord. I just pray that you will help us to put our trust in you all the time, not just when it's easy, not just when it's comfortable. Lord, just be with us as we look through this passage, just that you will talk through the words that you have given Paul as he writes the Colossians. Be with me today. Help me to have clear thoughts and be able to express clearly and concisely what it is that you want me to share today. And I just pray these things in your son's name. Amen. I was joking around earlier today with Nate Last time I wore this microphone thing, I felt like I should be singing and dancing. I think Pastor Steve and I are going to start a boy band. <laughs> He'll be the clean cut one. I'll be the this one. <laughs> I think we can have Nate because what's a boy band without a bald guy? You know? So, um, I'm Kirk Galman. I'm the pastor of student ministries here at Salt Lake. If you didn't know that, now you know. Um, I look forward to the opportunities that I get to come here to preach for the regular Sunday service, but at the same time, I also dread it because I'm more comfortable with like, give me this many teenagers and I'm good to go, and then give me this many adults and kids and everything in between, and I just hope I'm on my best behavior. So... We're going to be taking a look at a passage in Colossians, and kind of how this is going to work to give you a heads up is when Steve's not here, we're going to work through the book of Colossians. So uh, I know I think next week Steve won't be here, but I think it's the president of the denomination, so Steve felt that he probably shouldn't tell him what he should be preaching on. (laughs) So... Next time, I think in August, he has another little break, and I'll probably, probably be me who will be back here, and we'll continue through Colossians. So don't forget what I'm teaching you today, because we're going to springboard off of this in a month. So the students that I work with are laughing, because I do this every Sunday and Wednesday night. I kind of, what did we talk about last week? And they're all like, ah, oh, not sure. So we're looking at Colossians, and before we read the passage, let me give you some information about it. The book is written by Paul. Wasn't, he didn't write a book and bind it and send it out. It was a letter. Most likely it was written when he was in prison in Rome. And one of the leaders of the church, whose name I will probably butcher all day long, is Epaphras. He went to Paul told him what was going on in the church. Some things really good, 
some things not so good. So Paul writes this letter and sends it back to the, the body there in Collis. And the, the people who made up this, this body there were predominantly Gentiles. Most likely, besides a handful of people, none of them have actually met Paul. They've heard of him. Um, they've probably read some of the other letters that were cycling around during that time, but none of them have met them. None of them hung out, walked around with Jesus. So in a lot of ways, what is written in this book talks to us because I've never met Paul. I just know what I've heard and what I've read. I've never walked with Jesus. I wasn't ever able to physically put my hands on him and eat with him and these things. So I think in a lot of ways, this book talks to us. So let's take a look at the passage. There's going to be Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, who you are at Collis, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We give thanks to God the Father our Lord, excuse me, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you've previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you just as in all the world. Also, it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you since the day that you heard of it and understood it, the grace of God in truth. Just as you have learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who is faithful servant of Christ on our behalf, and he also informs us of your love in the Spirit. This passage is a praise passage, these eight verses. Starts out how Paul starts most of his most of his books, he actually starts with some sort of prayer or praise, very similar. In this passage, he's praising God for the Colossians' faith and love. He prays that it's pretty amazing that he's heard of this. He's heard of how faithful they've been. He's heard how much they love the brethren. And just stopping right there for a little side note before we get more into the meat of this. I was thinking about the church here. How awesome would it be if when people think of this church, they think of the faith that we have. They think of the love that we show to each other, to people in the community. All right? He's talking about a church that's about a hundred miles southeast of Ephesus, which is on the border of modern-day Turkey on the Mediterranean Sea, and he's in Rome, and he's hearing about their faith and love. How cool would that be if people back where I am from, New York, New Jersey, were like, wow, we heard about that church in Salt Lake City. You guys have it, things going on. You, you got things going good. So just a little thing to think about as we kind of continue through this. 
He's praising them for their faith and love, which is because of their hope that's laid up in heaven. The Lord God loves us so much. He wants to have a relationship with us so much and is so full of grace that he's given us this hope. That's what I'm going to talk about today. This hope that so affected the people that this letter was sent to. This hope is so powerful that it completely changed them. This hope is the whole reason the scriptures are written. This hope is a great reward and is also the inheritance that us as believers have in God. So my question that I'm going to throw out a couple times to you guys to think about is, why don't we hope in it more? Why are we not putting our hope in this hope? I think there's a few reasons. Maybe one is you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Kurt. Hope. What, what hope? Well, I'm going to kind of explain that. And obviously, God doesn't want you to just hope in nothing. He wants you to understand what you're hoping in. God never asks for Christians to be lemmings, to just run blindly off a cliff and just hope that they'll know how to swim when they hit the water. That's not what he asked for. Maybe you've heard of this hope, but as you look in your life, you maybe don't see a need to put any hope in anything else. Things are going okay. Or maybe you do look at your life and you're like, you know, I could really use something to hope in because everything else has fallen short. I just, I don't even know where to find out about it. I don't know where it comes from. Or maybe the other thing is, you know what the hope is. You know where to go to get it. But you see, so you see no reason to seek after it. What's the benefit? Yeah, hope. Great. Super. It's not helping me everyday life when I go to work, when I'm dealing with kids. You know, my only hope is that they'll grow up and move out. Hope. Yeah, okay. So before we get into this hope, I want to talk a little bit about what the hope is not. Hope is not wishful thinking. That's like what my kids, I hope to have a, a fire truck, is what Isaiah was telling me the other day. He's my four-year-old son. And I was just like, you can't drive yet. He's like, no, it's okay. I'm fine as long as I, I have something to play with. Hope is not wishful thinking. I have kids, so a lot of my analogies deal with kids and things like that. But have any of you guys ever read the book or seen the movie for Peter Pan? And Tinkerbell dies, and their hope is just, just hope hard enough, just wish hard enough, and Tinkerbell will come alive again. And then she starts flying around and stuff, and wow, think happy wishes. That's not the hope that I'm talking about. Hope is not believing in something that will probably not come true, but you really, really want it to. If these things are your view of hope, I'm sure you have fallen flat on your face. It falls short repetitively. repetitively. I hope that I would say that word right and didn't work. I, 
that's not what Christian hope is. Christian hope is based on something that will always come true. It's not writing to Santa Christ saying, all right, Jesus, I really hope that I find a million dollars when I walk out this door because I could really use it. It's not, it's not a wish list. It's not some way of manipulating God. That's not what it is. This hope is the core of our faith. If it's not, you need to kind of check yourself and think about it. I was thinking of Chris. Little known fact, the symbol for faith is an anchor. Why, why an anchor? I, I can think of what would be a better picture, but I sat there trying to think, well, if I was to think of an image, what would I pick? But it's an anchor because your hope is so ingrained in your faith. It is what holds you when the storms come. A good anchor, when you throw it out, I spent a couple summers working on a lake with boats and stuff like that and fishermen and it was great when you'd see someone who had a bad anchor because all of a sudden when they got up and looked around, they were nowhere near their boat <laughs> because the boat went away when they were walking around on the island and then they'd be waving down people. I said, you'd pull up the anchor and there was, I was like, this thing is going to hold this huge boat? You've got to be kidding me. So what is this anchor? What is this hope that we have? I'm going to go through a few of them. First one, I think, is the most important, salvation. You might be thinking, like, I am saved. How, I, how am I supposed to hope in that? I, I, I already am a Christian. Salvation is a process. Remember, Paul says you need to continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. 1 Thessalonians 5.8 talks about the full armor of God, which Cave was sharing a little bit about. And it says, the helmet, we like to say the helmet of salvation. It's the helmet, the hope of salvation. Righteousness is a hope. I hope to be right in the eyes of God. I hope to be holy, pure, Galatians 5.5, 5, you want to jot that little note down there, talks about waiting for the hope of righteousness. One that I know we talk a lot about in my family. I know some of the other members here in the church, we talk about this one. This is a great hope. Hope in the resurrection. Hope in a bodily resurrection where I will be perfect. Because I am not perfect, not even close. 1 Corinthians 15, 52 to 55, I'm just going to touch on a few parts of that, those few verses. But it says, the dead will raise imperishable. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Isn't that a cool hope that death will eventually have no hold on me? I look forward to that. I, I, I want to quote these lines when it shows up, like turn around and look at Satan or look at the grave and say, where's your sting? Eternal life is another hope that we have. 
Titus 1.2 says, The hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised to us long ago. Key in there is God, who cannot lie. I can put my hope in these lists because God cannot lie. I want to say I can't, but don't put me in a hard situation. Excuse me. Titus 3.7 also says, being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs to the hope of eternal life. My parents were both teachers. So my hope of any kind of sweet inheritance is pretty much non-existent. They have a nice house down in South Carolina, which will probably be sold as soon as they pass away. I don't have much hope of getting anything. But because I am a follower of Christ and I have put my trust in him, I hope on the promises that God has made, I have something even more amazing than a little house in South Carolina. I have hope to cling to. I have hope to keep me centered on the right path. I have a great reward in heaven. These are things that I have to hope for. So these are the hopes. These are some of the hopes. I could go on and on and on and on, and we don't have enough time for all of these things. But these are some of the hopes. Some of you guys are like, I know this already. Great. Some of you are like, wow, that is pretty cool stuff. It'd be really nice not to fear death anymore. It'd be really nice to know that when I seek after God, he hears me, loves me, and forgives me. Where do I go to find out about this? Let's take a look at, um, <clears throat> excuse me, verse 5. Starts with, because the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. So where do you find it? In the gospel. It's even more than that. I kind of was talking about this a little bit today in my Sunday school class with the, with the students. When we think of the gospel, a lot of times we think of those four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's the gospel. I think of it as being a bigger thing. I think of the gospel as being the entire scripture. Because how can you understand the amazingness of Christ if you have no clue about anything before How can you understand how you have been changed and affected by the life of Christ? How we are called to live and honor him if I chop off everything else after the book of John. The gospel isn't just the messenger of the hope. The gospel is the hope. Think of that. The gospel is the hope. My hope is firmly based on the life, the death, and resurrection of Christ. That's the core of the gospel. 
You take that away, you have no gospel, you have no hope. You need to bathe yourself in it. Don't just read it and be like, okay, I agree with it. Let me pray the Lord's, uh, not the Lord's prayer, the sinner's prayer. Now that I prayed that, I'm going to be okay and just kind of move on. I was thinking about that a few years ago. I started reading through the book of Luke. And I'm like, I haven't read the book of Luke since I was probably in fourth grade. I've looked through passages and things like that, but I've never read, you know, starting in chapter one all the way to the end. I've never done it since fourth grade. There's a lot in there. You need to bathe yourself in it. <clears throat> Take a look at this passage again. I want to um, kind of emphasize a few things here. After, at the very end of verse 5, where it says the gospel, it says, the gospel which came to you, the gospel came to you, not talking about Kurt told you about the gospel or Epiphas, however you pronounce his name, not that Steve told you, it's the gospel came to you. Just as it came to all the world, it is constantly bearing fruit. It is increasing. It's not the messenger who's doing these things that the gospel's doing. The gospel itself is doing it. Even as it has been doing in you since this day. The gospel's almost personified here as, as having actions. The gospel is personified here because it is alive. This book isn't just a bunch of words, ink, paper. It's not that. This book is alive. This, this gospel message isn't just alive. It brings life. If you are a Christian right now, you know that. And hopefully you thank the Lord every day for that. You experience the gospel. You experience this hope that the Galatians cling to when you hear the gospel. And not just hear it, but understand it in the grace of God in truth. If you read this gospel and you don't believe that God is able to do any of these things, it's great that you heard it. But it's never going to affect you. It's never going to change you. It's knowing the grace of God and his ability to show that grace to you that this gospel has its power, that this gospel speaks its truth. Without grace of God, wouldn't have any of it. Without the grace of God, he wouldn't have sent his only son to this earth. Who here isn't a sinner? Who here has done nothing wrong? I try really, really hard, and I fall short. There's a... It's a poem or a story that I got a while back, and it talks about thanking God. You know, it starts, the author writes, Lord, I thank you for helping me not to sin. I thank you for helping me not to get angry. 
I thank you for helping me to love my family. Now please help me to get up out of this bed. We're all sinners. We all need forgiveness. God can't be in the presence of sin. So how does he redeem us? How does he do that? He sent Jesus Christ. Jesus here is the key to our hope. He's also, I think, the strongest reason that I can put my trust in this hope. Not only because he was sent by God, but he was sinless. He was crucified for our sins. I could put my hope in righteousness and in salvation because I'm cleansed because of Christ's blood. He didn't just die. He was resurrected. I could put my hope in that because he showed me that God can resurrect those who are dead. I could put my hope in the glory of God that he'll always do what is best. I could put my hope in the fact that I will one day get to see the full presence of God's glory because right now, Christ is in that presence. So maybe you know this stuff. Maybe I'm just being repetitive. That's our hope. I don't think I can repeat that enough. You need to hope in this hope. Maybe you know this stuff. Maybe it's things that you've heard. Maybe you think you know better. Maybe you're like me. No one knows better than Kurt. I'm always right. Sometimes I'll let you think you're right. But that's not the case. And really, when you look at it, trust me, I'm the one who's right. Okay? I know what's best for me. God, you couldn't really mean that when you said that. That's not what you meant, God. Because let's be honest, Kurt doesn't do that. That makes Kurt uncomfortable. Or maybe you put your hope in other things. Maybe it's not yourself. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's education. Maybe it's other people. Maybe you put your hope, you, you said, you know, I hope to have a great life. So I went to a good school, I married a good woman, we have a nice house, we have 2.5 kids, I'm living the good life. Sorry, my mind wandered there. <laughs> What's the deal with the 0.5 kid? Like, it really stinks to be that one. <laughs> You're almost a man. Someday, I don't know. So anyway, so you have all of these things, but yet your life still isn't perfect. Where's the happiness? I have everything the world says brings happiness. I put my trust in all of these things, but yet I still don't have this hope. Our hope, this hope, the gospel, is oriented towards the future which I think sometimes you might be saying, great, how is this helping me now? I'm not dead yet. I'm not in heaven yet. The future is a real long way. I, I, what am I going to do the rest of this day? How is this helping me? This hope also has immediate impact. I have seen this hope change lives, myself included. 
There are times when I am not hoping in the hope and everything beats me down. It's kind of funny, I was preaching on this because I kept running that term through my head, hope in the hope. Because earlier in the week, I had a little bit of an issue with some of my kids. Then our van decided to break and took it to the mechanic and they can't even start it now. So I had to have Kim come and Kim gave me some encouragement, things like that. It's like, thanks for picking me up, Kim. Thanks for the encouragement. I can't let these things beat me down because these things are earthly. My hope is not put in earthly things. My hope is put in a hope that is laid up for me in heaven where things can't get at it. It will never rust away. That's what my hope is. When I'm saying that you need to hope in the hope, I'm not just saying that you need to wish in it. Remember, I kind of talked about that in the beginning. Wishing is basically a waste of time, especially if you're throwing money into a pond. You're wasting time and money now. Okay? That's not what this hope is. I'm not saying lean on the hope. Let's say this thing is the hope. I'm not like, lean on the hope. It's there to hold you up. I'm saying cling to it. Jump up. Throw a leg over this thing. Hold on to this thing. Hope in the hope. I think of my son, Isaiah. When we were little and still were living in New York, um, he thought he would never hit the ground when he jumped off of the couch or chair or things like that because he knew enough that daddy and mommy were going to somehow dive out of the kitchen, scoop him up, (laughs) and he would be okay. He hoped that daddy was going to save him. He hoped in those things. He jumped on those things. He eventually found out that daddy can't be everywhere. Especially when daddy and mommy leave you with a babysitter who doesn't know you do this. (laughs) You can hope all you want, but daddy isn't that fast. (laughs) That's not what I'm putting my hope in. I'm not putting my hope in something that is earthly. I'm not putting my hope in my wife or in my parents that they'll never let anything bad ever happen to me. Excuse me. When you cling to hope, it changes you. You go where it goes. Again, Isaiah, my son, jumping. When he jumps on my back, he's putting all his hope that I'm not going to crumble to the ground. Where I go, Isaiah goes. If I fall to the ground, Isaiah falls to the ground. If we run through the sprinkler, because he's climbing on my back, daddy gets wet, Isaiah gets wet. You can't help but be affected by hope. If you're holding on to it, if it is the center, the core of your faith, of your relationship with Christ, and it's not changing you, let me be honest, it is not than your center. You might think it is, but it's, it's not here. It's over here, maybe. So some things change, but other things don't. Verse 5. 
this first word in verse 5 in the New American Standard is the word because. I wasn't an English major, so I went to Kim to ask for some advice. So what kind of word is that? She told me it was a conjunction and subordinate conjunction, actually. It's like, yeah, that's not what I want to say. There's something else. I'm trying to think of it. I'm trying to think of it. When you hit that word because in a sentence, it means what happened prior was affected or is a product of what happens after the word because. If you have the NIV, it says, instead of because, springs from, which I think is a great way of explaining it. It springs from. The Galatians' faith and love that Paul is praising God for them having was not because of their own actions and talents and abilities. It was because of the hope that they have laid up in heaven. Paul goes on, again, talking about the gospel is what brought them this hope. And I kind of read this passage already, but I'd like to do it again where it talks about that the gospel, this is in verse 6, is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you since the day that you heard it. So not only is the gospel constantly producing fruit and increasing, but it's doing that in you. Is it? Are you producing fruit? Are you increasing in your faith? I don't just mean are you leading people to Christ. That's not the only way that fruit is talked about in the scripture. One fruit would be showing love. One fruit would be taking care of those in need. One fruit would be forgiving those who have done wrong to you. Are you producing fruit? Is your faith increasing? The Colossian faith, excuse me, and their love was not because of their own actions and ability. It's because they hoped in the hope. I hope to love my wife more. I do, I think, a pretty good job. Uh, You can all look back there and see if she nods her head. (laughs) Uh, I hope to love her more. So I could go home and say, okay, I really want to love Leah more. I want to be the amazing husband that I think I can be. Let me write a list of all things that I can do to show her love. Well, I can vacuum. Get write that down. Do the dishes. Awesome. Change diapers. I do do that. Just letting you all know. But I could change more diapers. Or maybe not roll my eyes when she's like, Kurt, someone needs a diaper change. I could make this list of things, but the problem is I'm not putting my faith in God changing me. I'm putting my faith in my ability to go down my checklist, vacuum delivery room, check. Clean the dishes, check. Change the baby, check. Great. One day, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to be like, I don't care about that checklist. 
those stinky diapers can pile up. <laughs> All right? I'm going to fall short. Or maybe I don't. Maybe, maybe I am able to do this every day after day after day after day. But eventually I'm going to go up to Leah and be like, Leah, I've done all of these things for 365 days to show you that I love you. What have you done? <laughs> She'll pull out a bigger list. <laughs> you need a backup, Kurt. There's still more. She kicks it out. Okay. That's not what hope produces. That's still loving with conditions. That's still doing these things. How do I love more? Hope in the hope more. How do I forgive? Hope in the hope. How do I grow my faith? Hope in the hope. Now, to us as people, that sounds crazy. That, that doesn't make any sense. How does hoping in some things that God promised help me? That's, that's just the whole point. That's the amazingness of this hope. That's the amazingness of the gospel message. It isn't you. It's God working in you so that then what is flowing from you is not Kurt's love. It's God's love. It's not Kurt's ability to look past things and forgive. It's God's ability to do those things. It doesn't make sense. I wish I could have a diagram show up on these screens and be like, if you're hoping the hope goes through this thing and then this thing and then it just spews out. Here's the best way I can figure out explaining how this even works. When I'm hoping in something, it's freeing me. It's allowing me to say, I can take my hands off. And that in itself is a pretty hard thing for me to do because I don't want to take my hands off. Remember I said, I know what's best. So I want to do it. It's best that this mic stand is right like this. It's best that my kids behave this way. It's best that we look like this when we go to church. It's best, and the list can go on and on and on. That's not hoping in the hope. It's hoping in myself. It's hoping in my own abilities, which fall short very often. Freedom is the best and biggest outpouring of the hope that we have. If I hope in this hope, I'm free to stop trying to work my way to heaven. Because it doesn't work. So I'm not doing it out of real motives, genuine motives. I'm doing it out of the fact that I really don't want to go to hell. So I got to really be nice to everybody and things like that. It gives me freedom to love without condition. I don't need to say, what have you done, Leah? Or Isaiah, get a job, then I'll start loving you. Okay? Do something. It frees me from the fear of man. I don't fear death anymore. So I'm not afraid to share about my faith. I'm not afraid if the Lord calls me to go somewhere else. When I was looking for jobs, people thought it was crazy. They're like, where are you looking, Kurt? 
especially because I have four kids. It was like, you know, South Carolina, Florida, California, Utah was not on the list. Um, you know, I don't know, Europe, Asia, Philippines, and was a place that we were talking with the place. And people were like, why, why over there? Like, that place isn't safe. I'm like, I don't really care. I don't, this body will end eventually. Might as well end doing what God wants it to do. It frees me to not fear man. Because I know who's in charge. It isn't my wife. It isn't me. It isn't somebody bigger than me, someone stronger than me. Right? The person in charge is the one who holds everything in his hands. None of your hands are big enough. Trust me on that. The best thing is it frees me from sin. Because <laughs> without that, I'd never be able to have any of these other hopes. I would never be able to stand in the glory of God. I would never be able to have salvation accomplished on my own deeds. A life lived without hope is like spending all your days watching a clock, waiting for the end of the world to come. There's nothing to hope for, just waiting for the days to go by. I would love to tell you guys that if you put your hope in this hope, that you'll never lack anything. But I know some Christians, and I've read about some people who have an amazing faith in the Lord and have nothing. And I would love to tell you that if you hope in the hope, that you'll never get sick, you'll never have any kind of disease. But there's people in this body right here who are on fire for God and are still suffering from sicknesses. There are some who are no longer sitting here because they've succumbed to these things. But their hope wasn't that they would get better and live more in this life. Their hope was in the hope that they will see the Savior, that they will see their Lord. I'd love to tell you that if you hope in the hope, you'll never face any persecution. And I know in America and things like that, it's not really that bad. You can say what you want to say. Some people might boo-hoo you or things like that. But there are Christians in this world who have so much hope that they are not afraid to be arrested. They are not afraid of the punishment of abuse that will be inflicted on them because of their faith. I'd love to say, if you hope in the hope, your life will be great. Rainbows, sunshine, gumdrops happiness, just come talk to me and I'll show you that my life hasn't worked out necessarily the best way, at least as the world would say. Our hope is not for blessings in this world. Our hope is not for honor in this world. Our hope is for an abundant life which is the reward we will receive in heaven. Our hope is to be in the presence of God. I can hope for that because I see aspects of it when I'm with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I can see some of the aspect of God's glory when I look out my window watching the sun set over the, the small mountains. 
okay? I see glory, and I know that's this much of it. So when I get to see his glory, which is infinite, that's what my hope is in. This world does not have much for me. So again, you have a hope. We all have a hope. If you're a Christian, you should know what that hope is, and it should be the center of your life. If you're not, if you're not sure, if you haven't had this relationship with Christ, the hope is still there for you. If your life is based on this hope and you're still struggling to do some of these things, to love more, to forgive more, to praise God more, you need to stop putting your trust in yourself and you need to start hoping in the hope some more. Think of your life for one second before we close in prayer. Is your life a reason for somebody else to praise God and to give thanks to him? Because remember, Paul isn't saying, oh, Gal- I almost said wrong verse. Oh, Colossians, oh, people, you are so amazing. You love so much. You have so much faith. No, he's saying, I thank God every day because of your love and hope, which was not because of your actions, but because of God's. So when people look at your life, do they thank God because you are showing God to this world? Hoping in the hope frees us from the bondage of this world and allows us to glorify God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just am so gracious that we have a hope, not a fleeting hope, not wishful thinking, but a hope that is reliable, a hope that we can cling to, we can completely jump onto, a hope that changes us hope that takes our hands off of the wheel, lets you work through us. A hope that allows us to love people who the world think are unlovable. A hope that allows us to forgive people who we just can't forgive on our own. A hope that gives us an amazing inheritance a hope that allows us to one day be in your full glory. Lord, when I depend more on myself, help me to hope. Lord, when we struggle with not being able to do something that you have called us to do, when we struggle to make our lives into your image, Help us to hope in the hope. Lord, I pray these things in your son's name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.